people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the darkness on their light have shown. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as the joy of the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of King. For every boot of the tramping warrior and battles of old, and every garment of holy blood, you burned as fuel to the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts. That word hallelujah that we sing at Christmas, if you don't know, is actually a Hebrew word, and it's made up of two other Hebrew words, hallel and the word Yah. The word Hallel in Hebrew means praise. It's, it, the word itself is actually an invitation to praise. And the, the Yah part of that is the root of God's name in the Old Testament. So when Moses is on Mount Sinai and he says, who will I tell them sent me? God gives them this. He says, this is who I am. And the word is that word Yah. And so the word Hallelujah means praise to the Lord. So when we sing that word at Christmas, it's completely appropriate that we would bring our Hallel and put it with his name. Uh, that we would, because of what he's done, bring our praise and give it to him. There's nothing more fitting this time of year than to do that. Uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. Um, a lot of kids in here today. I'm going to try to preach for 15 minutes or less. I've, I've never done that once in my lifetime. So there's a betting window out front. I would take the over if I were you. Uh, <laughs> I am going to try, though. If your kids start making a bunch of racket, that's okay. I have a two-year-old, so I've been practicing for two years pretending like I can't hear a child making noise. (laughs) Particularly in the middle of the night, I'm like, what? The baby's crying? Are you serious? I didn't even notice that. Um, (laughs) Luke chapter 2, 15 minutes. I think I can do it. I was in McDonald's a couple of years ago because, obviously... In McDonald's <laughs> in Jonesboro. It was the corner of, of uh, Highland and Southwest. And uh, uh, it was breakfast time, and I heard this music playing over the speaker softly. You know how they play the ambient music or ambient music in the background. And it was that song that we sing at Christmas, Hark the Herald. And so over the background, faintly, over the you know, geopolitical experts at the table next to me conversing how to fix the world, was this, this music that said, Hark the Herald, angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. It would go on to say, veiled in flesh, the Godhead, the Trinity, see, hail the incarnate in the flesh, deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, and then mild he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth, like Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, right, born again. So we're sitting there, and this music is playing over the speaker, and nobody seems to notice. And so I just, it dawned on me, I thought, this is happening all over the place. There is this wonder in the air, the, 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 the foundational truths of the universe quietly flowing into McDonald's, and most of us are asleep to that wonder. Most of us are missing out on that. 
we're having our sausage McGriddles as though nothing's really happened, right? And so, so what we want today and this Christmas and when you go home is that you would not be asleep to that wonder, that the truth that God and sinners could be reconciled now because of the incarnate God, Jesus, would not be lost on you this Christmas, right? We wouldn't just go through the motions and come to the Christmas Eve service and then go home and open the presents and miss out on all of that. And so, so my hope this morning is that we would have eyes to see that. Let's look at Luke chapter 2 together. It says this, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, the house of lineage, he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. There's a song that is ultra popular uh, called Mary Did You Know? I'm sure all of you have heard it before. I used to really like it, but after the millionth listen, I just don't enjoy a song that much anymore, to be completely honest with you. Uh, Well, this time of year, that song plays, and inevitably, somebody on Facebook will make some snarky comment. They'll say, Mary, did you know, question mark, and then they'll say, yeah, she knew the angel told her, right? As though it's that simple. It is not that simple. Listen to what the text we read said. It said in verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So the answer, Mary, did you know, is actually yes and no. Yes, she knew the things that the angel had told her, and she believed them. No, she had no idea the magnitude of what was happening around her. She had no idea the magnitude of what Jesus had come to do. And there's a couple of examples of this in the Gospels. Um, In Matthew, it says, Jesus was in a house teaching. These huge crowds were gathered to him. And it says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Mark and Luke also repeat this story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, all three think this story is worth telling. Jesus is teaching. Mary and the brothers come, and they're like, somebody go in there and get Jesus, bring him out here. Now, on the surface, it may just seem like, well, there's a big crowd. Mary can't get to, uh, to Jesus to, to talk to him. But John gives us this other curious detail about Jesus' brothers. John tells us this about the brothers of Jesus. It says, not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus' own brothers, as they viewed his ministry, didn't really believe what he said about himself. 
they didn't really believe the, the things he was proclaiming. They thought this, this can't be. It was too hard to fathom. So uh, maybe Mary wasn't quite where the brothers were, but nevertheless, she probably still doesn't quite get what Jesus is doing. Jesus' own disciples often didn't believe him, right? Weren't Jesus' disciples in a perpetual state of, wait, what? <laughs> right? Jesus would do something and they're like, huh? Are, are you sure that's the way we're going to do this, Jesus? Are you sure that's the path you're taking here, right? Why were they like that? All of these people, Mary, the brothers, the disciples, couldn't quite fathom what Jesus was doing because Jesus wasn't what anybody expected. Jesus did not look the way they thought Jesus was going to look. He was much better than they thought he would be. They were waiting for some sort of political military ruler who would come and snuff out the bad guys and walk the good guys into Jerusalem and sit on a throne and these sort of things. And Jesus came to do something much bigger than that. Jesus came to bring us a hope a lot bigger than some mere piddly, puny political hope. Jesus came to change the whole world. Jesus came with good news for the whole world. And so this morning, my hope is that we wouldn't just sit here and think, oh yeah, I got this Jesus story. I understand what Christmas is all about. But instead, that we would ponder a couple things again like Mary did. We'd think about what Jesus has done, dwell on them, and continue to let that truth change us. See, this is what you need to do with Jesus. You need to do what Mary did. After the angel came and told Mary that she was going to going to have a baby as a virgin. Um, this is what Mary said in Luke chapter 1. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to, the town, to a town in Judah. This is what Mary did. She believed, even though she didn't understand, and she began to journey with Jesus. I think that's what God would call you and I to do. Though we don't have all the answers... Though this wonder is not something we can fully grasp in this service today, God's call to you would be believe him and begin journeying with Jesus and see what he shows you along the way. So I want to ponder two things this Christmas like Mary did. I want to treasure up two things in our hearts and ponder them very quickly. Number one, God has come near to save us. Ponder that truth. God has come near to save us. The scripture that Chad read earlier says that. The angel announced to Joseph, you're going to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is what he is coming to do. Jesus has come to save us from our sins. It was set, it says there in, in chapter 2, verse 1, in the days of a guy named Caesar Augustus. The word Augustus is a title. It means the exalted one. This is a title that Caesar conferred upon himself. The Caesar was a ruler off in Rome somewhere. Most ordinary people would never have the opportunity or the misfortune to meet the Caesar. So he was a ruler far away who conferred upon himself the title of exalted one. Now contrast Jesus with that ruler. Jesus is the true exalted one who humbled himself and came near to us. Emmanuel, God with us, he came near to lead us out of oppression, not by a census and a tax, but by giving his own life for our sins. He's come near to dwell with us so that we might be his. And this is the truly remarkable thing about that, I think. Jesus was under no obligation to do that. God did not have to save any one of us. God did not have to come and give his life on a cross for you and I in order to feel good about himself. <laughs> he just didn't have to do that. He didn't need any one of us, and not one of us deserved for him to do that. He only did that because he loves us. It's the only reason. 
So when we sing these songs at Christmas, let's not sing them as though we are entitled to them. We sing them instead as people who are the gracious recipients of a gift that we could never possibly in a million years merit on our own. God has come near to save us. And truth number two that I want you to ponder, God has revealed this truth to us and invited us to come and participate. In the second half of the story, we read the Christmas story there. Some angels appear to the shepherds on the hillside and tell them the news, right? The glory of the Lord shines around them. The angels appear, scaring them to death, and they say, you got to go see what's happening over in Bethlehem. There's good news of great joy for the whole world, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, so go and see it. Why did the angels tell the shepherds that? Why did God send his legions of angels to, to tell these shepherds on a hillside that? Only because he wanted to. It's the only reason. Apart from the grace of God revealing that to those shepherds, they would have stayed out there in the dark, ignorant of the light. They would have stayed out there in the dark, completely unaware of the glory that was shining around them. And the exact same thing is true for you and me. Apart from the grace of God, we sit in the dark of our sins. We sit in the dark of our hopelessness and our lostness and our wickedness. And we never know, we are never awake to the wonder around us. We never know that the Son of God has come apart from the grace of God shining in our lives. The Bible says as much. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you have eyes to see that the Messiah has come for you, if you have eyes to see that Jesus has died on the cross to pay the debt for your sins and you have this desire in you to know him and this desire in you to be part of that, that's because the same God who said let light shine into the dark has shone into your heart. The light does not come on apart from God doing that. So ponder that truth that the God who created the world would love you enough to give his life for you. So a little movie came out the other day, uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. I assume you have all seen it. There's, there's, I thought this morning about this because I don't want to shame anybody. There are four possible reasons why you haven't seen it. One, you don't want to go to the theater and pay the exorbitant price. You're going to wait till it comes to the Melbourne and go see it there. That's a good idea. I'd recommend that. Two, you are such a busy person. You literally have not had one single minute to go see it. Three... You've been incapacitated in some way, physically unable to go. Four, you're not a very good person. <laughs> Those are the only reasons I can think of why you wouldn't have seen the, the movie. <laughs> in the movie, there's this character. I won't tell you who it is, so it doesn't spoil anything. But there's a character in the previous movie who is sort of on a journey of self-discovery. He or she is trying to find out who he or she is and where he or she came from. And so there's this sort of plot tension of who am I? Who are my parents? Who's, what's my identity? This sort of thing, right? And so the, first, or the last movie ends with this cliffhanger and you don't know who this person is. You're like, who is this person? Hopefully they'll resolve it in this story. And then in this story, there's a dramatic scene between this main character and another main character where they're, they're, they're having this dramatic, tense dialogue. And this other main character says to this main character who's been on this journey of self-discovery, you're a nobody. You don't belong in this story. That's us. We are a nobody. 
You're just a person. You're just sinner number whatever walking around on the planet. No part in this story, but that God wants you in this story. But that Jesus has come for you and invited you out of the dark and into the light, out of death and into life, out of sin and into the freedom of the Son of God, into his family. All of us, like the shepherds, nobodies, invited into this story. So ponder these truths that God would give his own life to save you and that God would choose you, that God would come and invite you into that which I assume is what he's doing this morning. You're sitting here hearing this, and if you've never met Jesus this morning, his invitation to you is come and receive Jesus. Come and see, come and be awake to the wonder and have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And if you have received that already, if you are a child of God already, then the invitation for you this morning would be ponder these things. Dwell on these things. Don't let Christmas pass by as though, you know, like we're just going to get our sausage and McGriddle and go on, as though nothing really big is happening here. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you that Jesus, the light of the world, has shone into our darkness. He has stepped into the graveyard and resurrected us. Jesus, thank you that you, the Lamb of God, the one from Bethlehem, the house of bread, would come to be the bread of life for a hungry and desperate world. We celebrate you this morning, Lord. You are the king of wonders. And so we pray that we would be awake to the wonder of what you are doing. God, we pray that you would speak life into this place today, that this would not be just another day, but this would be the day that you call sons and daughters home and that they receive you and that they have eternal life and can forever mark this day as the day that Jesus came into their heart. God, we pray you do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.